the uptick that I foresee for me and my company is to not only be able to cover the staging of those events where I'm providing audio for a keynote, background music, and and projection technology, but I'm also looking to expand that to live stream. Oh, wow. Uh, so there are plenty live events that you don't have the entire representation of that company there, and people would love to join remotely if they have the opportunity. That's going to be everything. Absolutely. Right. Don't you think it's going to, I mean, I, I just had a quote yeah. that we did to live stream for right. hockey games for kids because, you know, dad can't be there. I want to live stream that it's too amazing. because they know it's possible it now. It is utterly amazing. The inquiries, uh, Heather, you're spot on. You know, when people come up and put a bug in your ear, I would love to be able to flip a switch and and make that happen. Uh, but it means rolling in with a larger crew, rolling in with a lot more equipment, and you can't do that in anticipation. You know, it's not like being a baker where you just push out some additional donuts and you hope the clientele is going to walk in the door and it's not a huge loss. But it is a big loss. Now I want a donut. <laughs> Avixa says the industry is going to be $400 billion, 4K collaboration, and the cost of attending trade shows. All that and more next on AV Week. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 632, recorded Friday, September 29th, 2023. $400 billion AV. This is AV Week, the biggest stories in the AV industry uh, of the week. My name is Tim Mulberry. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have got this week. First and foremost, Heather Sidorowitz from Southtown AV. Welcome, ma'am. It is great to be here with the likes of all of you. Oh, good to see you. Good to see you. I got to hang out with Heather in, in Cedia. We saw each other in three dimensions. In three dimensions and Matt Scott, which was crazy. That's right. Uh, Willie Franklin, technically Willie's uh, retired. He used to be at Otterbein University, but still a fantastic AV professional. Welcome, sir. Hello again. Good to see you. Good to see you as always. Uh, and last but not least, Mike Peterson. Uh, Mike has never been on, on a recorded, well, remote recorded version. I've had him in person at Infocom just north of me uh, at Iowa State. Welcome, sir. Thanks. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Uh, first story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. A leading AV integrator in the UK has withdrawn from a major education technology due to, quote, unquote, high fees. Strive AV said that the fees to attend the BET show, B-E-T-T, would cost them around £15,000 or about twelve fifty per person. For those of you who are mathematically... Um, deficient like me i had to look this up Eighteen thousand us dollars or seventeen thousand eu is what we're looking at here um they are concerned that other uh, companies also follow suit leading to a decline in attendance now the bet show is one of the largest education technology shows in the world it attracts tens of thousands of attendees each year however the fees to attend the show have been rising in recent years and some companies are actually now finding them too expensive the bet show organizers have defended the fees, saying that they are necessary to ensure the long-term success of the event. However, they have also said that they are open to a conversation. Uh, one thing real here, real quick, to give you guys some context. CES, uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, put on by the CTA. If you're going to that show in January, it will cost you $150. Infocom technically has a price associated with the show. That is mm -hmm. also around $150 on average. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in 24. Enterprise Connect, uh, that is $1,500. Uh, 
you don't get a free pass to that one. You can get free passes all day long to Infocom. If you can't find a free pass to Infocom, find me. I'll give you one. <laughs> That's right? on you. Yeah. Peterson is involved with HEPMA. They have them, right? I have like two um, organizations I can hand you one, right? Mike's got two organizations, right? If you buy anything from anyone in the industry, they're probably going to give you a pass. Enterprise Connect, not so much. The only free pass that I've ever got, I've ever seen uh, available to Enterprise Connect is a press pass because I've gotten one before. Um, but anybody else, if you're an attendee, you're going to pay the 1500 bucks. Mobile World Congress, which is in Vegas, is $299. NAB, uh, National Association of Broadcasters, is 219 These are all uh, U.S. dollars. And then Integrated Systems Europe, 150 euros, typically. Again, uh, registration has not quite opened for that. By the time this post, it will be happening this week. So it opens up uh, the 4th of October. Willie, want to start with you on this. It's interesting to me that certain shows have larger costs, right? You, you look at uh, Enterprise Connect, 1500 US. You look at this bet show, 1250 uh, um, you know, uh, UK pounds. What is the value of higher education and corporate users getting them to those shows, but also making it cost efficient for them? Uh, thank you, Tim, for this incredible question. Um, and I love the comparisons that you provided for all the various shows and the costs associated with it. Uh, honestly, this is no different than pay to play as I think about it. You know, mm. when you think about the opportunity that's presented to you to enter into that environment with some 500 plus exhibitors, it's it's a wealth of opportunities for anyone in the AV industry. So, you know, personally, I wouldn't gawk at the cost of admission. You know, if you can afford to get in, that's fantastic. If you can afford as a company to send X quantity of people, that's fantastic. But by the same token, how many hard hitting environments might you have the opportunity to step into and have one on one with some serious power brokers? You know, when you look at the lineup of exhibitors, of manufacturers, of integrators that are there, it is a power show. It's kind of a who's who. Uh, so if you're looking to increase your market share, if you're looking to uh, grow your business, what better way of doing that but to invest in yourself? So that's really how I look at it. It's an investment in yourself, in your company. Um, I don't see it as cost prohibitive. Okay. Looking at Bet's website, I mean, they give you nine opportunities, nine categories uh, for purchasing tickets or qualifying your admission. So there, there are very few lines, um, uh, those little ticketed tabs where you would have to pay to enter. Um, now, the money's not coming out of my pocket. I can understand their stance when you're sending a delegation of individuals and you're asked to spend a significant sum. So it's a cost versus benefit SWOT analysis, if you will, um, all in all, I think it's money well spent. I mean, truly, I think it's money well spent. All right, Heather, same kind of question here. And we mentioned the fact that you and I were both at, at Cedia Expo and NCI Expo a couple of weeks ago. Um, I went as as press, so I did not uh, purchase a ticket there. Cedia, though, is very much like Infocom, where if you are connected to a manufacturer, if you're connected to an exhibitor in any way, shape or form, you will have some sort of free pass. Look at it from both an attendee standpoint, but also as a, as a business owner who 
is looking to connect with, you know, corporate and, and higher education end users, you know, when they start building and bringing in more and more folks, you know, what is that, as, as Willie says, that cost benefit mm -hmm. analysis between the cost of a ticket and getting more people there. I think you have to really look at what the ultimate goal of the show is. So for Cedia is a non-buying show. So you're going to have all your major manufacturers and distributors there. They want you to get there. So um, they're going to want your time and um, they're going to want you to buy their products. Um, so in the Cedia world, I can, it makes sense that you can get a free pass for sure. Infocom being partly a buyer show as well. Um, I think that if they really wanted to take this up, I, th I think that, yes, for sure, I believe that you get what you pay for and there's some great advantages. That being said, I think that if there's going to be these types of fees, give me a reason, give me some incredible speaker, give me something that's going to change my life, change the way I do business. You know, that just as if I went to a TED Talk or a concert, I mean, we know that right now for concerts to go see something for three hours, um, you know, you're paying sometimes 200 to $1,000. Before this podcast, we are talking about Taylor Swift. I don't think you know, anyone's getting into a Taylor Swift concert for under a grand. Yeah. So, and that's for three hours of entertainment, not days of something that could certainly help you understand things so you can make more money. I think you have to look at those costs and the benefits when looking at these shows and it won't be for everybody and someone's going to cry out loud um, but whatever that organization is who's your target market and really what's that best approach all right mike the, you know, heather hit the target market part which is actually where i was going to hit you the if you look at it at, at infocom's report post show this year roughly 23 25 percent were end users right which is which is where you live which is what we're talking about here with the bet show you know i'm not going to ask you directly if infocom started charging a thousand dollars a ticket you know if you guys were still going to go but but look at it kind of overarching whether it's infocom whether it's bet whether it's enterprise connect you know what is that cost benefit analysis between paying actual money out of your pocket or out of your budget versus being somebody you know part of the the crowd that that show organizer is trying to build yeah you know f again from from our end user perspective um you know it, you know if they're going to start charging money I, i'll have to look at other ways to justify that right you know and that's where you know i certainly attend conferences we're going to talk about a conference i attended last week called etc and and there were certainly yeah. fees associated with that but the idea there is that um there's it's continuing education right like there's uh, you know the primary reason for me to attend was to attend classes and you know um, continue to to expand my knowledge uh and that's how i would justify that now if it was going to a, a trade show where i'm just theoretically walking a trade show floor and meeting with with vendors that would be a very very difficult conversation to have to justify that to start to pay money for that right and so yeah. again it all you know goes back to return on investment right like what return are you looking for um you know, you know, continuing education is one of them. Um, if it's making vendor relationships, that's a that's a different calculus that you're going to have to to work through. So, Mike, you make a good point there, and maybe I should clarify. I should clarify this as well. Not maybe I should clarify this. Infocom, ISE, and CDA, they all have education tracks that you can pay for in addition to the free pass. Right. Here's the thing, though. So does CES. Right. Um, now, Enterprise Connect, the one that I, I referenced earlier, $1,500 a ticket, that has all the education included, right? So this isn't exactly apples and, and, and um, comparing, you know, apples. It is apples and oranges 
in that sense. So the education is included in Enterprise Connect. Bet, uh, as Willie said, there are several different le levels that you can buy into. Um, all right, next story comes to us from Pro AVL. According to Avixa, the APAC region, Asia Pacific region, is expected to lead the Pro AV industry in growth in 2023. The report found that the APAC region is expected to grow by 7.5% in 23, followed by EMEA at 6.5% and North America at 5.5%. Avixa says the industry will add $100 billion, with a B, dollars over the next five years to $400 billion by 2028. The report attributes the growth in the APAC region to the return of live events and the increased popularity of digital signage. Also points to the uh, lessening supply chain issues. Largest area of growth are listed as corporate, media entertainment, and venues. Avixa works with a company called Omdia to quote unquote, put together the forecast, uh, working with manufacturers, dealers, and other stakeholders. Went to the Avixa website. There is no pricing listed on the Avixa website today. Uh, we did reach out to them and ha have not heard back as of this recording. But according to their website, you can contact your Avixa rep for a quote. Heather, start with you on this. When you look at this report and you say, okay, we're going to be 400 billion in the next five years, how much growth or even how much retraction are you seeing in the corporate space and in the higher ed space that you work in? Um, so we had um, crazy growth during COVID as many AV companies did. Um, but but you're, I think really what they hit on the head there is with the return of things like live events and other events. So while certain pieces, aspects of our industry did surge during COVID, those COVID years, um, we also lost lost a lot. So when you look at the industry as a whole, once you took away events, I mean, um, the year that Infocom was in Orlando and it was October, it was like a non-com, you know, that was to take that away and then bring it back. Of course, that shows quite the the lift, right? It, you know, take take away the money and give me twice as much. Well, really, you gave me half as much, but it's all the way that you statistically put it together. So I think that that's part of the story here is that, hey, baby, we're back. But also at the same time, um, we all know that hybrid's not going anywhere. We see it at every corporate. Everyone knows a story wherever you live of a company that's having a hard time getting their people to come back to work. Um, you know, now they're, I have some friends that were just in town. They work at Apple, um, at Apple corporate, and they are still on a, they go to work three days and two days they can be remote. And then they gave them the option and they kind of joked about that everybody pretty much at Apple corporate right now is working Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Like, <laughs> who's going to work Monday and Friday, right? So I think that, that we know that that's going to be a thing for a very long time to come. Um, and so that's going to continue to help us with this surge with this influx that we'll continue to see for the next few years. Now, re really quickly about the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, having a conversation with, with Owen Ellis this week from the AV user group and, and AV user group, they've got several locations around the, around the world. One's in New York, one's in San Jose. Actually, they've got an, an event in San Jose in, the, in a few weeks. And he was mentioning the same thing, right? Whether it is London or New York or, or San Jose or Hong Kong or wherever they have the, the locations, they're having to adjust their events based on the fact that Tuesday is the new Monday. In it's the crazy. I mean, right? I mean, anyone that's working physically working on a Friday will know that you can tell emails are less. It's harder to get a hold of people. Traffic They're, is less. Traffic is less. Just saying. <laughs> and I don't think that we're ever going to go back to there. It's not going to be a, the back to normal. It'll be a new normal. 
Yeah. Mike, same kind of question here. It, from an education standpoint, Mike, Mike, up at Iowa State, obviously you guys, you know, you had to do a, a significant rollout during COVID. Uh, but what areas of, of growth or what areas of, of retraction are you guys seeing? You know, from our perspective, it, it's pretty steady, right? I'm not seeing too much growth or retraction. Um, you know, we, we have a certain number of classrooms that we need to upgrade every year to kind of maintain a certain refresh cycle. And, you know, that's what we're continuing to try and target against, you know. And so um, now, you know, what, what was interesting, of course, is, yeah, that that big spend on, you know, adding hybrid to classrooms that hadn't had it before. Um, we weren't, as a university, you know, our, you know, um, MO has been in-person education. That's been our, our value proposition. Um, and so we weren't well-equipped, frankly, going into COVID with, with hybrid. And so that was a big lift for us. Now, the interesting question is, is you know, as we begin to upgrade classrooms again, uh, we're, you know, our classroom upgrades are just slightly more than they were before because we hadn't exactly. been putting hybrid into every classroom. And now we are um, with, with every upgrade, right? And so, you know, you know, we're probably seeing another 10, 15% overall on the price of every classroom moving forward. We hadn't been spending, you know, pre-COVID, you know, so, you know, there's a little growth there. All right. Willie, uh, take a little different stab at this. What other areas do you see uh, either changes in, right? Again, whether it's retraction or, or growth beyond the, 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 the high points that Avixa was pointing out? You know, it, uh, having retired, of course, from Otterbein University a little over a year ago, I um, have been afforded the opportunity to view AV from a different lens. Uh, the lens that I'm looking at now, of course, is my company, uh, Franklin DJ Services. Um, I do a lot of live event staging, uh, so I'm definitely seeing an uptick in live okay. events, whether they're corporate events, uh, community festivals. Um, I'm getting a lot of inquiries. I'm putting together a lot of uh, proposals. I'm, I'm getting business that didn't exist prior, whether it was COVID or just my own availability. But all in all, the live event market is very big. And the other place that I am seeing growth is the home theater uh, industry. You know, I've continued to talk with colleagues who either own their own businesses uh, for integration of home theater or work with other integrators to team up, right? What I'm getting is a, a tremendous amount of frustration on their part that they cannot hire enough people to meet the demand of their clients that are coming to them. Uh, the express need is everything from a really high-end gaming system to a very high-end uh, home theater system with wall sconces, motorized screens, uh, heating and cooling controls that have been automated in their home to minimize background noise. I mean, the amount of money that some of their clients are spending is, it, well, it baffles me uh, personally. Um, going back to the live event environment, the uptick that I foresee for me and my company is to not only be able to cover the staging of those events where I'm providing audio for a keynote, background music, and, and projection technology, but I'm also looking to expand that to live stream. Oh, wow. uh, so much as what Heather touched upon and Mike touched upon with regards to people working from home, there are plenty live events that you don't have the entire representation of that company there. And people would love to join remotely if they have the opportunity. That's gonna be everything 
Absolutely. And right. Don't you think it's going to, I mean, I, I just had a quote that we did to live stream for right. hockey games for kids because, you know, dad can't be there. I want to live stream that too, because they know it's possible. It now. is utterly amazing. The inquiries, uh, Heather, you're spot on. You know, when people come up and put a bug in your ear, I would love to be able to flip a switch and, and make that happen. Uh, but it means rolling in with a larger crew, rolling in with a lot more equipment, and you can't do that in anticipation. You know, it's not like being a baker where you just push out some additional donuts and you hope the clientele is going to walk in the door and it's not a huge loss. But it is a big lift. Now I want a donut. <laughs> it is a big lift for the integration and event staging uh, to come with all the bells and whistles in case they're needed. And and for, for guys that were plugging things intangibly before, it's really a whole other side. So I've seen companies that are just rental and staging who don't even understand how that piece of right. it works, the ones and the zeros right. piece. So there is that whole piece of that too. So yes, I think, well, yes, Tim, you know, we see it. And Tim, I'll close with this comment that Mike mentioned with regards to traffic being less. I love it when people are working from home because that means I can get myself and my gear and any members of my team to a location without getting bogged down in traffic. And that is glorious. You know, as we're, as we're talking about, you know, going into more of a, you know, live streaming, you know, one market that was turned upside down was house of worship, right? How many houses of worship were live streaming mm. before and how many oh. houses of worship are live streaming now? They're like, all yeah. live streaming now, hundred percent. Yep. And, you know, talk about, a, a seismic shift in a market segment. There's one for you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, last story comes to us from AV Network. Extron has now introduced a new 4K collaboration and presentation switcher, the UCS 303, designed to meet the unique needs of UC meeting spaces. The UCS 303 has three inputs that support connection of USB, HDMI, and Display Port sources. Uh, it also has an additional five USB device ports for peripherals, uh, such as cameras, microphones, stuff like that. Uh, the USB-C input actually provides audio and video, USB, and 60 watts of power. A couple things uh, about this uh, has support for uh, a number of, of imports, uh, input sources. Also uh, gives power to the laptop if you're, if you're plugged mm -hmm. in through the USB-C. Uh, Xtron is, of course, a sponsor of Aviation has been for a number of years. Mr. Peterson, we'll start with you on this. Um, first is the USB-C thing. Yeah, I am more and more impressed with this. Uh, you know, um, had a number of folks over the last couple of years go, you really should be paying attention to this. You really should dig into this. I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, of course, the 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 Mac book came out with USB-C. And now, of course, the, the Apple products are all going to be USB-C. This is an incredible little uh, connector. How important is that becoming in, in the world of higher education, that connector? Oh, it's becoming vital, right? So... Um, even the last couple of years now, um, we no longer expect people to bring a USB-C adapter to the classrooms. We have a USB-C adapter, you know, physically connected, wired up uh, to the end of every USB cable. You know, they can remove it and plug in USB or HDMI. I'm sorry if they need to, but uh, otherwise they can take the adapter, plug it back on the HDMI and, you know, get USB-C. Like that is the direction that, that things are going. In fact, this is last summer, we, we just started our experiments with uh, an, an earlier external product that provided at least video output um, from a USB-C connection and provided that uh, 60 watts of charging. So we were, I got to tell you, when it, when you sent this article my way, uh, I shared it around our team and we were super excited about this product. This is a product that we've kind of been asking for. Um, 
you know, Lightroom has a very similar product that we've been evaluating too. Um, that is kind of the all-in-one box, right? It's basically a, a pro docking station is really what it is, right? You know, so you, you make one connection um, and you get audio and video out, audio and video in, USB connections to whatever peripherals you want, and, the, and you're charging to boot, right? And so huge, huge plus up uh, for what we're trying to do here. So. Willie, the other thing that grabbed me was the 4K part. And uh, I'm going to ask you and Heather the same kind of question here. Where is the demand for 4K collaboration coming from? Because one of the things about 4K is this. And it's the same thing as about 8K. And it was the same thing about 1080 probably 10, 15 years ago. Is where's the content, right? Where Where is the 4K content? And yes, you know, depending on the laptop or whatever, you, you've got 4K cameras now, certainly. Um, but where is that demand coming to see, you know, Mike in beautiful 4K? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a question that will, well, as I answer, may get me in a little bit of hot water or may get a little ribbing for. Um, it's coming from the same place that, kids with muddy boots come from. And, and what I mean is kids stump in puddles because they can't, uh, not that they're going to need to, right? Not that parents say, hey, I want to do laundry and just really clean your filthy clothing. Uh, what I'm alluding to is, in my experiences, that was always a battle uh, looking at 4K, migrating to 4K, trying to budget to four, for 4K. Uh, for movie presentation, for medical needs, maybe for art, there is a succinct value um, for, and again, I'll probably take some ribbon. If you're in the business environment and you're looking at spreadsheets, 4K doesn't matter. If you're around that boardroom and you're looking at a crummy PowerPoint presentation, 4K does not matter. Uh, even with video conferencing, as we talk back and forth, 4K may not matter if the folks at the other end are dealing with bad lighting and bad audio. Um, or their cameras yeah. aren't 4K either. Their signal's not 4K. Right. right. Precisely. Or Teams is down converting anyway. Yeah. So, you know, where's the impact? Uh, again, it's kind of the muddy boot. You know, I stumped in the mud because I could. I bought 4K because I can. Um, the cost versus benefit uh, for me is not there. Um, flipping pivoting a little bit to the USB-C connector and what Apple will be doing in the future, that gets me excited because I love camping and I would love to take my iPhone, plug it into my portable projector, connect it with my Bluetooth mm -hmm. speaker and watch movies around the campfire. Uh, now, 4K visibility on that screen around the campfire of a movie would be wonderful. But in the environment of collaboration, of boardrooms, of active learning environments, I just don't see it as a strategic advantage. Willie, this is the only ribbing I'm going to give you. That's not roughing it, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have, we, have, we have a whole generation that is used to watching things on this, right? Oh, so yeah. why, That's why, why are we so focused yeah. on 4K when, you know, it, uh, you know, a six inch screen or less is just fine for them. Right. You know, it's, and, and it's, that's, that's 4k yeah. too. Sure. Yeah, sure. All right, Heather, same question is, is who's driving this bus, right? Who's, who's, who's asking for marketing, just marketing. like, uh, just like you. our news yep. our media, <laughs> just like the news it's marketing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, it's, it's a use case, right? So every client is unique in some ways and it's really, it, it I often go into estimates um, and I ask the client, what is it you want to do? And often they'll try to tell me the pieces they want. And I often then say back to them, let's just forget about the pieces for a second. Tell me what magic you're expecting. Tell me what you throw up on the screen. And if it's really detailed CAD drawings, then sure, resolution is going to make a difference. If it's PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. which I feel still like most meetings are, not going to make a difference. Um, So I think that those are the things that is asking those right questions and coming up with the right solutions. I don't think that it's the need that's driving the desire. I think that it will be the opposite as so much of technology is, it will be a trickle down because these pieces will be already able to do it. If I'm doing a Sony Pro 98 inch display, it's a 4K display. So when I happen to have the 4K content, they'll be like, wow, this is really pretty. But it's not the client saying, I need that resolution. No. Um, they just know it because yeah. of their TVs in their houses. Right. You know, I, I did an article on this recently, um, you know, and you, you go do some math and science on this, right? And you look at, you know, what the resolution of the human eye is, which is one arc minute for those who are curious. And you do a little math on that and you kind of back out, you know, how big a screen would you need for 4K, you know, using the discus standards to get to the back of the room of a classroom and it's a ginormous screen, right? And it's just, you know, the the practicalities of it plus the needs for it are just, yeah, it's very low. So I'm waiting to hear the problem, Mike, because I have no problem with a ginormous screen to watch you know, <laughs> football or you know whatever else you want to watch. All right. Uh, that'll do, do us uh, for today. Actually, Mr. Peterson, uh, before we, we let you uh, sign off and, and say where people can find you, talk for a second about ETC. Uh, the the uh, group that you got to hang out with, in case you haven't followed the, the, the pens here, though, CC, ETC used to be called the CCUMC, uh, but you got to hang out with a bunch of higher education folks uh, about a week ago and, and talk about that for a second. Yeah, so uh, ETC is the Educational Technology Collaborative. Um, yeah, as you said, used to be CCMC. Uh, you know, we had their conference recently at uh, University of Southern California in uh, Los Angeles, a uh, great place to go visit. And uh, as always, uh, great to interact with with my peers. Uh, good turnout. Uh, you know, we're not a huge conference, but we had 200 uh, you know attendees, which is the nice. biggest that conference has been uh, in you know a long time. Uh, and so you know that was that was exciting. Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a um, conference that we, we get lots of vendor support uh, with tables, so it's kind of a, a also a really mini trade show. You can walk around and, and talk to vendors, see some new product lots of education classes and then we got to tour uh a lot of the award-winning things that they were doing out at uh at usc in their classrooms and and check some of that out so uh it was a great conference um exciting news actually that conference is going to be held right here at iowa state university next year october 1 through 4 2024 so anyone in higher education uh mark that in your calendar now come join us here in ames it's going to be a great conference very cool. We'll, we'll check it out there. All right. Uh, how do people connect with you or Iowa State or higher or HETMA or higher at AV? Yeah, I'm involved in a lot of things. Um, so t- for, for me, you can reach me on the Twitter slash X uh, at PED, P-E-D, 1971. Uh, you can email me, uh, Mike PED, M-I-K-E-P-E-D, at iastate.edu. I'm also uh, involved in HETMA, the Higher Education Technology Managers Alliance. You can find them at hetma.org. Uh, or, uh, yeah, um, lots of, lots of good stuff. 
All right, very good. Mr. Willie Franklin, thank you, sir. Uh, how do people connect with you? Yes, indeed. You can reach me at franklindjservices at gmail.com. I'm still very immersed in the Otterbein University commerce, or community, and you can still reach me at that email address of wfranklin at otterbein.edu. All right, very good. Mr. Uh, Mr. Doritz, uh, how do people connect with you or Southtown AB? You can Google me. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter, whatever we're calling it now, is tech underscore chi. It's in a balance between life and technology. Um, company is Southtown Audio Video, SouthtownEV.com, or, you know, LinkedIn. Connect. Let's chat. All right. Very good. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, do not follow me on the Twitters because uh, I'm still um, – crying over the bears loss last week uh but go by the website if you would please avnation.tv that's avnation.tv find this program and a host of others uh brand spanking new architect came down the pipeline this last week also we have a state of control women in av and edtech so check all that out and more at avnation.tv that's avnation.tv thanks so much for listening thank you so much for watching that's all the time we have for av week hi this is jennifer goodyear and erica carroll from, from the, the Women, Women in, in AV, AV podcast, podcast, where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.